Welcome to TV Talk, the podcast about television, over at thewordprint.com. Hi everyone, we're talking about uh, Jessica Jones' latest season and kind of just shooting the, the whatnot and who. Um, yeah, this is Christian, and with me is... Jen. And Nicole. <laughs> I, we didn't rehearse this, so I wasn't sure yeah. if like, I was supposed to say my name or if you were just going to introduce <laughs> us. I'll be honest, I totally said I wasn't going to do an intro and then I did one anyway. I'm it not sure if I'm going to keep this in the podcast or not. I'm just kind of messing around with it. I mean... You know what? It's, it's got some sincerity to it. You know? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> sincerity. That's that's a good w- way to call it. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's um, a polite way. Thank you. Sincere is... I, I don't have a phrase. Um, yeah, Jessica Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we're talking about Jessica Jones' third season. and final season. Yeah. Yes. First off the bat, how did you go- We're talking up to episode four tonight, right? Yeah, tonight. So tonight we'll be talking up to episode four. Um, instead of doing like a ten-minute cutoff for spoilers, um, like I did previously, like two episodes ago for Good Omens, we're gonna just roll with it. And at some point, we'll just say, "Hey, this next part is filled with spoilers." So like we can talk away, but once we get into the spoilers, we'll have like I'll add like a pause thing here where like I'll cut the podcast and say the rest of this podcast will be filled with spoilers. That way, whoever's listening who doesn't want spoilers doesn't get you know ruined from finding out this character died or something like that you know okay yeah so yeah um so i guess maybe even to just start off what did you guys think of jessica jones seasons one and two i liked season one way more than i did season two mainly because david Tennant was in it (laughs) yeah (laughs) but also just yeah just because uh, this season two focused a lot more on I mean her mom I mean the backstory part was like okay it was kind of interesting to find out how she became the way she was but um I wasn't really feeling like that invested in her and her mom's relationship I think so (laughs) real talk when I went to sit down to start watching season three of Jessica Jones I legit could not remember one thing that happened in season two. Oh my god, I thank you. I am not, so glad I wasn't the only like, one. I remember all of the big moments from season one, and I mm-hmm. remember how much season one impacted me, how good David Tennant was as Kilgrave. Mm-hmm. Um, just season one of Jessica Jones is, for me, the best season of the Marvel Netflix era. Um I think that it's so well done. It's so different from everything else in the superhero universe that it stands on its own. Season two, I had to go back and watch the recap and then go and read recaps because I could not remember. I know that I'd watched it the weekend it came out, but I was like, wait, but her mom, oh, that was her mom? <laughs> like, so- it was so crazy to me. Absolutely, Jen. Christian. Did you also get the uh, like the five minute recap before the whole season started for season three? Because for me, yes. like it wouldn't even let me play it. It was like, hey, by the way, we know that you forgot everything, so here you go, just all the information. We're I didn't get help. that. You I didn't, didn't get, get that at all. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, that would have been helpful. I had to like 
pause and think about it. Oh, yeah, what happened a little bit? I didn't even read recaps. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I, I legit had to because I was so distressed by the fact that I couldn't remember what had happened. <laughs> so my experience with season two was I was actually covering it for the site. It was like one of the first things I was doing for you guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember that first episode, I was like, this is going to be a hard one to write. And then the rest of the season, I just gave up on without telling anybody. I was like, oh, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did remember, though, that I defended it to a lot of people because they were like, that was utter crap. And I was like, you know what? No, the uh, I actually really like the mom storyline, um, especially midpoint to the season where it's like she was kind of the villain, but also like not exactly your typical villain. So I thought that was very not traditional story structure, which I liked. Um, but I'll be honest, like watching these first few episodes... I kind of had to watch them again because I really didn't, I wasn't the biggest fan on what, what, what's been going on these first four. So, um, I, I'm going to make a comparison to Jessica Jones in the way that the storytelling is going to, um, my favorite show of late, one that we all recorded together about, uh, Game of Thrones. (laughs) And I think that the issue, in my opinion, stems from the fact that they are more interested in the shock value, the shock value of the storytelling, as opposed to letting things develop organically and naturally in terms of the characters, which is the same problem that I had with Game of Thrones. And so with Jessica Jones, I think instead of putting these characters in difficult positions, and letting them handle those difficult positions that they've got themselves into, they either let it go or they move on to something that just is just going to completely shock and awe you. And so, I mean, I think in the first episode, within the first 10, 15 minutes of the episode, so I guess spoilers... But if you're if you haven't seen that if you haven't seen that why are you listening to this podcast? But and at the roughly six and a half minute mark, we are now in the spoiler section. I apologize. I know that it was pretty abrupt, but it was kind of the natural flow of the conversation. Plus, I'm not going to cut Jen off. She's amazing. Uh, so yeah, for the rest of this podcast, we're going to be filled with spoilers. Uh, for the future, I'll try stretching it out to the ten mark again. Um, but basically, yes, they, if you haven't followed Jessica Jones in a while, they do give you a recap, uh, and yeah, that's kind of it. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the rest of the episode, and I hope you like the new theme music. Um, originally there was an introduction, but apparently with the software we used to edit, it didn't exactly work out, so I had to cut the intro and go straight into the music, and straight into this makeshift intro, which I accidentally did anyway, so it's kind of worked out. Um, yeah, enjoy the podcast, yes. Jessica goes to retrieve um, a daughter who was kidnapped by her father because custody battles, parents being divorced, fun stuff. Mother is abusive, according to the father and the daughter. Jessica doesn't care because mother's the one paying her, court, legality, all that fun stuff. But Jessica brings the daughter back home, and for a brief moment, she hesitates with dealing with this. Like, 
this this tough situation that she's just been put in, right? Like, all right, do I follow the letter of the law and bring this girl back, cash my check, move on? Or do I actually do something about this? And that's kind of the theme that runs throughout the first couple of episodes is how is Jessica going to respond to these very crappy human situations? <laughs> and I feel like with a lot of it, yeah, Jessica Jones is an asshole and that's why we love her. But instead of letting us sit with those moments, they just move forward. And it's kind of the same thing with the end of season two with the death of her mother and leaving that there. And instead of really kind of giving the characters that time to breathe and think about it, show us all of this turmoil between them, it cuts it off. And instead, we've just got this rift between Jess and Trish. And I don't think it has that emotional connection that we need. Kind of like with the little girl. which there's The emotional tie is not there. Especially not in the same way that we saw with season one. And all of those emotional ties with Kilgrave. Absolutely. And I think a big problem with that has to do with the fact that they expect you to remember what happened towards the end of season two. For you to care about the stakes between Trish and Jessica. Which I which think was ridiculous. Huge, mm-hmm. yeah. Because yeah. the end of episode one. They repeat... Uh, in episode two, and then the episode two, they repeat in episode three. When they flip back and forth between Jessica's perspective and Trisha's perspective, it repeats several sections of dialogue and character interaction, but it doesn't add anything to it. So, like, there's this weird, clunky overlap with these things. And if you're binging the show, which I think most of us are on Netflix... That's not a great way for you to tell that story, even if it's a short amount of time. So for you to, you know, kind of put that wall up between season two and three and not even show us those moments after the fact. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, they did for Christian and I because we got the recap and Nicole didn't. Um, <laughs> it it kind of just pulls you out of that story. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it's funny that you mentioned the the change in point of view. I think, from my understanding, Kristen Ritter actually directed episode two, which was mm-hmm. sort of her directorial debut for Jessica Jones. And I think also in general. I think a big reason why you saw it simply from Trish's perspective was because I think Kristen Ritter didn't really want to direct herself. So, like, they kind of gave her an episode with another character, that character being Trish, and seeing kind of like the character journey from that side of the of the uh, that I loved. I thought that was phenomenal. What I'm saying is that I think that from an editing standpoint, we don't need to have those scenes, same scenes with the same dialogue twice. Absolutely. But like they were, I guess they were trying to say, hey, this is the same scene, except now you're seeing it. Trish's side, what it meant to her, these experiences and these things that Jess was reacting to. But it didn't bring anything new to it. And like that's exactly what the problem is. It didn't is. change anything from these characters. Like, nothing about that moment changed how Trish was perceived when Jess walks out the door of the hotel room, or vice versa. It's it's the same emotion. You know, we don't we don't change how we feel about Trish because of that. At least that's the way that uh, that I felt. It was like, okay. Do you feel, feel like it same. was it was just kind of like like with that scene with um 
with Jess and Trish in that in that seedy hotel room and after we see it from both of their perspectives like I think after Jessica left Trish was sort of just like saying like crap or something like that like you just saw like maybe five seconds more after and that was it right it's not like something fundamentally like a piece of information that we really didn't have before was shown in that after scene that would have changed anything is that what you're sort of trying to get Jen because I kind of yeah like like you know we see the fight sequence again in Mm -hmm. the in the guy's uh, apartment um we see them in the hotel or the the hospital together again and not none of these things change and it's not even it's not like it's a big thing like I'm not like this is this is not like a big thing that I'm complaining about at the end of the day it's a whatever thing I think it's just frustrating that they took the time to give us that overlap to try to show two sides when really it doesn't change anything about how we view the characters. Um, and, and instead of giving us more with especially uh, Jessica's mom, give, bringing back the things from season two that have so directly impacted season three so i I have a question um do you think a reason for them doing this is because they had to meet the 13 episode limit like do you think it was just a way to stretch time out yes i think it is 13 episodes completely okay okay that's why it felt so um like the first three episodes felt so boring to me (laughs) 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 like it was so much just sort of inner character drama like and normally like depending on how it's done like if it's done well and the pacing is good then you know it's really interesting and you're seeing character development or whatever but for the most part like I felt like the first three episodes was just you know sort of Jessica drinking and being an asshole as normal like and like sort of what Jen said where she would come to sort of these moments where she would have a choice of how to deal with something but it wasn't like I don't know, like, it didn't necessarily feel like high stakes enough for her that she chose to, to do something different, if that makes sense. And it was just, oh, well, I'm just going to keep drinking, blah, 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 because this is what I've always done as a character. I don't know. It was kind of, yeah. Like yeah, really it's like, it's like they have the, the one note thing with Jessica yeah. Jones is that she's an asshole, she likes to have sex with strangers, and, and she, she has a drinking problem. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, you know what? These are, like, the big things about her. Let's just do these things. when Because yeah. it makes her more relatable because everybody does that, you know? Well, no, I don't even think it's that. I think it's I think it's kidding. something has happened writing-wise where it's like all of the nuance from this character mm-hmm. yeah. has gone out the window. You know, like the reason why Jessica Jones is so relatable and why people like her so much in the comic books and so much in the show, especially season one, is because she's like kind of the quintessential New Yorker, right? Mm-hmm. Like okay. she does not give a fuck about your problems. This is not her problem. She doesn't have to deal with it. She doesn't care, you know, but she tells the truth like it is and at the end of the day she's still gonna stick up for the little guy and there's that that subtlety in her character and her actually wanting to be a hero and struggling with how to be a hero when she is so broken Mm -hmm. and now she's just basically fuck you and so it's now, do you think she, she's, like, overall fuck you, or was it more fuck you to, like, Trish in particular? Actually, I take that back, because 
she's like that to her clients and the people around her too, right? Mm-hmm. They show it all. They show it pretty early in the episode for the first one. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know why in season three why anyone is around Jessica. I, I have no idea why anyone is stuck around her. I don't know why anyone goes to her. I, um, well, she's a superhero, and she's like an open alias investigation superhero, so people can come to her to solve their problems. I mean, the people who know her. Oh, uh, well, you can kind of see that she's trying to push them away, right? She has that random receptionist. She stopped uh, dating that She's the, always the tried to push people away, but she still has had that warmth to her. Yeah. Because she's shown in her own small ways that she cares and gives a shit. In season three so far, I have not seen an ounce of her giving a shit about somebody. Like, it's baffling to me that they so wonderfully built up this relationship between Trish and Jess in season one. And it was rocky in season two, but there were still some really good moments. Um, And now have this where... I know that Jess obviously hates Trish for killing her mother. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how you come back from that kind of thing. But the two of them have been through so much together. And I just want to see, like, a little bit more than Jess getting upset at the bartender for wanting to turn off ARN. Because that's the... <laughs> That's where Trish works, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I, I want to see her have that moment where she considers answering the phone when Trish is calling. I want to see, I want to see her internal struggle with it, with Trish as well, because I think we see it pretty well from Trish. Like she's stalking Jess. Mm-hmm. Um, she's making that effort. I mean, obviously she's the perpetrator in this situation she's the one who just thinks is doing wrong all of the other things she is uh, guilty feeling maybe? I mean I don't know but there isn't that same side from Jess for anyone and I think that's where I'm struggling immensely with the relatability of this main character I think a large part of that just has to do with again the struggle between the two of them like it, it just it I don't want it to be this because I haven't gotten that far into the episode or into the, the season yet, but it seems very apparent that they just want to put so much of a wall and a separation between Jess and Trish simply because you know that by the end of this, they have to kind of come together to some extent. So like the way to kind of show that, that arc, that journey is to make them so far apart from the beginning. But as we mentioned before, it just doesn't feel earned whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I, I actually think they're going the other way with it. Really? Mm-hmm. You think they're going to build it uh, to go further apart, the two of them? Yeah. I think that they... I don't... I don't know if they would do this, but I think that they're they're trying to set Trish up as, as a fallen character. Oh, no, like, I could totally see that. But what I'm saying isn't so much that Trish ends up being like a fallen character, because I totally agree with you in that sense, because I think that's what's happening as well. But I think I think like the middle of the season uh, is going to be Jess and Trish slowly trying to rebuild that broken relationship. And then just when you think they're together, I think inevitably it'll just completely separate as well. But yeah. Hmm, I see. But I don't... 
Yeah, I agree with you. It feels unearned, this rift between them and then the coming back together if it happens I, I, I think I agree I think it will happen I think they will come back together because you've seen through episode 4 right yeah. yeah I was going to say towards the end of episode 4 right yeah towards yeah. the end of episode 4 they kind of have that moment where Jess breaks the silence between them and calls yeah and yeah. calls awkwardly like <laughs> you know she has a cell phone right like <laughs> We're going to do this live, guys. This yeah. grand gesture that you're making for this relationship here. Um, yeah, I... I uh, Nicole, how do you feel? How do you feel about the representation of these two women? Um, I mean, I... Probably the only part that I've sort of enjoyed a little bit is... Um, seeing Trisha's well not growth exactly but like the change from her character from season one all up to this point in the sense where it's the one thing that has stayed consistent is that she's always wanted to be a superhero blah 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 and she's always you know from going into like investigative journalism and is now trying to right the wrongs herself right and going into vigilante heroism or whatever but um I I am enjoying kind of seeing her at least doing something different and at least like she's even though it's been sort of clunky in her journey and like you know you see her how she trains and like all that stuff like that's like it's okay but yeah seeing her kind of start to transform I guess into Hellcat has been probably like the part that I've enjoyed the most um just because you know so far this season jessica has been so as we kind of uh talked about really one note that at least her character is doing something else which has been okay yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i i completely agree um that second episode with trish and her backstory yeah from her perspective made me wish that the rest of the season was just from trish's perspective (laughs) (laughs) um because I don't care about yeah. any of the other characters. Malcolm, I care about. But yeah. that's it, Trish. Like, Jessica has lost that relatability for mm-hmm. me. Which, I just, I, I know that on the surface she's still the same. But there's just not that level of nuance underneath her where she is this person who mm-hmm. is walking around with so much trauma and is trying to deal with it and is genuinely trying to be okay with it. Do you think a big part of the reason that Jess has become sort of unbearable this season is because of all the characters that have changed and grown throughout the past, what, uh, first two seasons, uh, Jessica just seems kind of almost the same. Do you think, like, a big reason why she's kind of unlikable is because she hasn't grown compared to the others per se or or is it just like this season really i think it's because they don't know how to write her if they give her anything nice like Uh, so i think mm -hmm. for for jess they see her as this cynical asshole who is just always losing people and is never going to trust somebody 
And anytime she gets close to someone, they have to rip them away because, God forbid, Jessica Jones be presented as a happy character. Like, no, we started this off with her as being this character. It was incredibly successful. We have to take that away because this is what works. Mm-hmm. And instead of showing that, no, you can be a cynical person and you can be kind of a kind of a jerk and an asshole but still grow Mm -hmm. and I don't think that they've recognized that and so instead they just have her continue to do all of these things that are bad choices bad for her Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason I'm supposed to believe her as the hero over Trish like like Jessica kind of lecturing Trish the way that she does about all the different things that they do feels hollow in my opinion like Jessica judging Trish for want to be wanting to be a hero just doesn't feel right like it makes me dislike her even more Oh, I'm gonna throw I don't know if there. that's their intention or not but oh yeah because so I'm gonna I'm gonna post this question there um so it seems like so far this season, it's very much Jessica's pushed everyone away, which is established early, uh, and Trish is very much trying to become the superhero character, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Jess, whenever her and Trish kind of go at it, like, Trish says she wants to be partners, and Jess is like, no. It's because we've seen Jessica's, like, loss in the past two seasons about her mom, and, you know, with the Kilgrave storyline, and even Trish herself to some extent. Um, I guess my question is, is why do you think it is that Jessica is so anti-heroism yet still chooses to be the hero reluctantly and Trish wants to be the hero and is doing a pretty good job at it for the most part, but is constantly just getting rejected from Jessica? What do you think is causing that weird, almost like unnecessary tension between the two, you know? Is it like the storytelling or, or what? Because in my opinion neither of the characters know what to do with their trauma oh okay please tell me more yeah that's good i just i don't think that they show it very well but so for jessica i think she feels a level of guilt over the fact that she has these powers and she's never been this good person this wholesome person who is going to just go and save a cat out of a tree for a little girl Like, that's not her. That's not in her. But because of the things that she's been through, because she's had to rely on herself and her powers to get herself out of situations like with Kilgrave, I think in some way she feels like she owes it to the world to use these. But her core struggle is that guilt versus the reality of who she is as a person. How do you mesh the two of those? Um, uh, you know, and so, and then add on the layer of the the loss that she suffered with everyone around her. Anytime she even kind of gets close to someone and shows them a vulnerable side, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Trish, I think it's kind of the opposite where... Trish has felt helpless her entire life. She has had her mother make every major decision for her. She's never had her own voice, her own say. She has been the biggest victim in her life. And so when she's trying to save people, she's actually trying to save herself. 
Oh, okay. See, that, that is a revelation sense. to yeah. me. Yeah, I like that a lot. So, the failing, I think, of this comes from the fact that they constantly have these two separated. Because they do have this nice dichotomy between them that, that meshes well. And that's why their relationship has been so central, at least in, in my view, on the show. And why it is the most important relationship on the show. These two women need each other to survive, to function. And I think without the other, they don't know how to be. They're each other's moral compass, so to speak. Mm, very, very well said. Well, let me ask you guys, how did you guys feel about Hogarth so far? <laughs> I was actually going to ask that next. It's kind of funny <laughs> that you mentioned that. Um, I, it's not that I don't like the storyline. I just don't really, um, I don't have much there uh, stake-wise for me, for me to be really compelled. Like, I don't. It, I don't yeah she's kind of just being Hogarth yeah. and I don't really see there being more to that I know that uh, she's pursuing a, a former love interest this season mm-hmm. um, and it's been intriguing but also like it, it just seems like the same the same type of antics that she's kind of done the past two seasons and even on the spinoffs so for me I don't really uh, I don't really see it as much growth or change there I just see it as like the okay here's a necessary Hogarth beat uh, Jen, what do you think? Um, <laughs> I don't really like it. Yeah. Um, I like what they're trying to do with it, but I think that the the whole lesbian villain, I'm gonna steal you from whoever you're with, kind of thing, is a little old from her. Yeah. And I know that we're supposed to think that maybe she's changing because she hasn't gone through with using the blackmail on her ex's husband and what he's doing with the money from their foundation or whatever um but i just i just don't like it like in a show where all of the main characters that we're supposed to be rooting for are making terrible decisions and are being terrible people it's really hard for me to not root for the bad guy sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and in this situation, because I do genuinely think, especially with the way that they've set up Trish and the way that she says, you're welcome mm-hmm. over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think that they're setting her up to either fall uh, mid season or towards the end or something. I don't know. Um, because of the way they're setting her up. It's really hard for me to not root for her, though. When these characters, Jess and Hogarth, are just not being great people. And I think that we had other characters before to kind of offset that some. You know, Luke Cage in season one was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Malcolm had his demons, but now he's also making, like, really terrible decisions that are definitely going to come bite him in the butt. We'll talk about the next. Yeah. Um, and then Trish, who is still making questionable decisions, but she's doing so in, like, a puppy manner. Like, I can see where the descent comes along. 
But right now, she's the good guy. <laughs> and I want her to succeed. And so if that means that, like, she has to be set up to take down Hogarth or something, uh, maybe Hogarth deserved it. I, You know, like, it's one of those things where you've lost that connection with the viewer with these characters because you've gone so far to the extreme of what their main traits are that you've forgotten all of the other little bits. So can we them. can we just recap for a quick second uh, for the first four episodes in terms of Hogarth? She's trying to blackmail her ex-lover's love, husband, sort of. But it doesn't really work because he's in like an open relationship anyway, right? Yeah, until she wants she wants her all to herself. Yeah, as okay. far as I understand, she doesn't want her to be married to her mm-hmm. husband. She she wants her, but it's one of those like controlling things, mm-hmm. right? Where like. Yeah. Because they were together, or they were married? No, I think they were just dating. Like they in were college. just dating. Yeah. Um, but Hogarth cheated on her with her then eventual wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From season one, and um, and now it's supposed to be a situation where Hogarth is like, "No, I want her back." Randomly, and then decides to insert herself into this relationship that, from what we've seen, has been. A happy relationship it's worked at least you know like i have not seen anything that leads me to believe both parties aren't happy with their situation mm-hmm. although that that whole portion of hogarth like getting als and like do you think she's sort of having like a crisis of like not wanting to be alone i think so for sure but mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to have sympathy for her when she just wants to break up a marriage and then die like okay, thank you for mentioning yeah. both of those nicole and jen because that's actually where i was going to go with this what what is her because that's why i was asking for a recap too because I, I don't understand where hogarth is coming from this season because she has a lot more pressing issues from the als and from what happened the previous season and we're kind of abandoning all of that for this weird love affair but not really a love affair storyline uh, she I doesn't think... want to die alone. That's I think that's the big thing is that okay, especially with um, turning to Jess and realizing that is Jess the closest thing that I have to a friend, someone I can rely on. <laughs> Jessica Jones is that's it. That's what I've got. This is who I'm going to call when I need assi- help with assisted suicide. Jessica Jones. I need to reevaluate my stuff. And so yeah. I think maybe she thought back on her life and when was the last time I was with somebody who made me feel that way? And I assume it's, uh, what's her, her name? Is Kith? Yeah. Yeah, Kith. Yeah. Um, the cellist. Or does she play cello, right? That's what yeah, it is? Cello. I think so. yeah. yeah. And so because Hogarth has kind of always gotten her way, well, she made me feel this way back then. Maybe she can make me feel that way now. And it's funny because while they're having intimate physical fun, I I feel like the romantic potential, maybe what Hogarth is looking for isn't fully there. And that's why she's doing all this. But I'm still kind of lost. And I know we're recapping it, but I'm still kind of questioning, like, I don't don't understand Hogarth's endgame, I guess is the best way to put it. She's controlling and she's manipulative. And she wants what she can't have. At least... From what I've seen from her, um, she 
wants people in her life who will be at her beck and call. She's used to having people in her mm-hmm. life who are at her beck yeah. and call. Yeah. And so in terms of a romantic partner, I get the feeling that she wants someone she can call or someone who's just there when she feels like it's time. She doesn't want to have to wait. Yeah, it seems more of like a booty call to me than a real romance, just personally. I mean, I think her concept of what a real romance is is kind of messed up. That's true, too. But I think that, like, what we see from her after they go to... um, I don't remember the name of the show they go to, but... Oh, the concert, concert thing. the the opera thing where they do the uh, the little fingering play mm-hmm. with yeah. the cuts, with the, the fingering on the strings and then other types of fingering, literally. <laughs> uh-huh. <Yep>. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's a brilliant call, guys. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> and so when um, Kit's husband calls her and she says that she's on her way now, you can see Hogarth's face change. Because she's, she is used to being someone's priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in yeah. this situation, she is not the priority. Absolutely. And it stings. <laughs> and it stings her because she's yeah. a proud person. <laughs> um, so a big reason that Hogar, or a big way that she's executing this whole blackmail thing is by using her new protege, who's kind of her own private investigator, uh, Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Do we have any thoughts about Malcolm this season? I think Malcolm also being in a serious relationship is a threat to Hogarth. Oh yeah, hence those non uh, non disclosure forms and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, Malcolm, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see where they're going to go with him. I would like to see more of his internal struggle and how he deals with. Like, we kind of see it with the baseball player who keeps getting DUIs and hurting people. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. I like that that storyline, that mini arc. I would like to see. Like, honestly, I think if they <laughs> did the episodes where they did Malcolm dealing with those situations, um, Trish desperately, like, Googling crime in New York City. <laughs> um, I can't believe she actually did that. I'm like, are you are you serious? Like... I mean, everybody's going to start somewhere, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then, like, Jess dealing with her different alias investigations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe going to, like, AA meetings or something in the process. Yeah. Well, I mean, those I think were worked wonders before, that's, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, totally. <laughs> I mean, I, but I think that that's a little more engrossing than what we've got so far, where it kind of feels more piecemeal. So you're saying more of an ensemble Jessica Jones rather than Jessica Jones itself? Yes. Okay. I actually completely but, agree. I mean, and I also think that I also think that Jessica Jones is a show that doesn't have to have a big villain. I think that Jessica Jones could totally be a show that's a monster of the week. I'll be honest. I don't really feel like there was a big villain in these first four episodes, but let me ask Nicole. What are your thoughts about Malcolm and the story so far? Um... I agree for the most part that um, it it's sort of just like a. I did enjoy when he hit the baseball player with the car. Like that was kind of an unexpected and kind of a little bit of him, um, sort of you know, giving out his dishing out his own justice, so to speak. Mm-hmm. 
although, like, a huge part of what he's trying to do, I guess, is, you know, earn his, pay his dues, and then be able to open his own PI shop at some point, right, mm-hmm. with whatever money that Jerry gives him. Um, but it does kind of feel a little bit of, like, filler subplot right now, and it doesn't really, like, it, I mean, it, it ties him a little bit with, like, with Trish and um, that whole sort of uh, little episode she had where she, um, you know, tried to stop a guy who stole a phone, blah, blah, blah. But I would say I don't, I'm not as emotionally invested in Malcolm's story this season compared to even like season two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I don't, I don't really know where they're going with his character at this point too. Like <laughs> you're kind of seeing the struggle where he's, you know, he's not sure if he wants to keep just, you know, doing this blindly for Jerry and blah, blah, blah. And like, he's showing, okay, he's business acumen and blah, blah, blah. But still what what's their end game with him i i don't know and i don't know what would make a satisfying end game for him since this is the last season and that's kind of how hogarth has felt too yeah like both of those characters through the three seasons i think less so with season one with malcolm because i i feel like he was a good part of bringing jessica up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah i agree that these side stories with the two of them especially kind of feel superfluous. I really liked season one's Malcolm because I didn't expect him to be who he was and then he had a nice little redemption arc at the end. But I think it worked because he didn't have that we didn't know like a lot about his his story. Like we did to an extent but it was kind of more of like a small tragedy like victim of this crazy world and then he had this nice little redemption towards the end of it. Um, but since then, I haven't really been obsessed with Malcolm as a character. Um, and one of the things that bothers me about this season in particular is his girlfriend. Uh, I don't know how that even kind of started or where that's going. Does anyone else kind of feel that way too? It's like, okay, I get it. You're in a really good relationship, but it's not really because you're kind of keeping a lot of secrets and doing these things without really talking to her about it, you know? I just, I mean, I'm not against that. I think that's fine. And I think that that adds tension for him and his character. I think that a lot of people have things in their professional life that maybe they can't discuss with a significant other. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's okay and that's relatable. I think, I think it just feels... I don't know like it's not genuine because we didn't see it start because we don't know where it came from um it feels like it's there just so they can break it apart mm. totally agree because it was kind of just yeah thrown on us but you were saying oh no just as yeah like a plot device basically to... oh yeah no totally um one of the things that bothered me about it was in episode three i think i think he started peeing blood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and then they had sex. Okay, thank you. I was like, that, that bothered painful. the crap out of me, because my first thought was, is like, all right, you're physically involved with Malcolm. If a dude pees blood, you have uh, that conversation. You don't immediately go bang, because that's just, that's how STD spread. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they, they just kind of just went right into it, because I guess it didn't serve their purposes to be, you know, aware and 
talk about these things, even though it's a very adult-themed show, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's, you know, just as bad, maybe worse than Jessica having sex in the paint last year or season oh, two? Oh, yeah, that was season two. Yeah. Yeah, that was awful. Yeah. So what so. did you guys think of um, the new character? I already forgot his name. But that's I've been Eric. calling him Bob's Burgers. I don't really remember his name. <laughs> I, I had to write it down because I kept calling him Bob. I don't think his name is Bob. It's like Barry it's or Bert or something. Uh, Eric? Eric. <laughs> wow, I was so off. <laughs> the the guy that is the, the empath, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was incredibly yeah, off. Okay. <laughs> we can call him Bob, Bob or Bert yeah. or Billy. <laughs> Who's it Billy? Beauregard. <laughs> I just called him that because he made a hamburger, and I'm like, are you, are you like, just trying to sell her on, like, a hamburger brand or something? <laughs> I, I don't like him. I think he's trying too hard. Okay. Do you feel his like char- he has his character a rubs me the wrong way. hidden agenda, like, hidden hidden agenda, as opposed to just, like... No. Okay. I think, I think he's just trying so hard to be edgy, and he's not. Ah. Ah. He's an edgelord. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I think they, I think they want to give... Jessica, a love interest who is meant to equalize her or something. I don't know. I don't care. Like, it's one of those things where, like, I look at this dude and I'm like, why are you taking up valuable screen time when Jess could be mending things with Trish? Mm. I don't care about you. I agree. It kind of just seems like he's another dude that she was going to bang, but now that you know he is in trouble and she got stabbed because of him like now she's kind of invested a little bit yeah but like i just i don't know why she's so invested with him like i don't know why like i guess because she got stabbed yeah sure but her relationship with him feels weird to me like she is only giving him the time of day because she needs to get to salinger also because she wants really good hamburgers um (laughs) i think that kind of bothered me in the first episode when they were about to hook up um she got stabbed while they were about to you know do it and he kind of disappeared for like a little bit there you know what i mean it was a little awkward for me like, wouldn't he have helped Malcolm take her to the hospital or something? Yeah, right? my first yeah. reaction was, was like, where is he? Because, like, he was obviously there when she was bleeding out. Mm-hmm. And he's just nowhere to be seen. And then he reappears again. But that might be part of his character, you know, how, like, at what point, like, later in, was it in, at the end of episode four or not? the Episode three, maybe, where he's like, oh, um, she tells him, oh, you should lay low and, like, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, yeah, like, I'm okay with that. Peace out. <laughs> I don't know. He, he just seems, seems like, like a sketchy yeah. dude who would yeah. be peaced out, peacing out anyway, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of which, he is played by Benjamin Walker. Ben. Bob. I was close. B. Yeah. <laughs> it also doesn't help that Gregory Salinger is played by Jeremy Bob. So when I was IMDBing this crap, literally 30 minutes before we started, there were a lot of bees floating around. There's a lot of bees floating around, so that's that's... and that's appropriate too because he looks like 
a poor man's Eric Bana. So, oh my god! Oh. Or or doesn't he even look a little bit like Pedro Pascal? I could see that. Right? I could a see little that bit. Too. Yeah. Like like he and Eric Bana had a baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. A love child. I see that. Yeah. But he doesn't have the charisma of either of them. True. True. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> he's trying really hard though. Since he's on, um, he's like on the. Uh, like a thumbnail art for the show I kind of feel like he's going to be around for a while and I don't really (sighs) I don't know I feel like it makes the show it makes watching the show harder because I'm really not invested in his character so I agree I agree too and I'm going to throw this out there are we are we going to do another one of these are we done are we okay with just doing this one um, if it goes the way that I'm afraid it's going to go, we are doing another one. <laughs> oh, we are doing another. I was I thought you were going to say the opposite. Okay. Cause, I mean, I don't know. Cause I just might have to write a strongly worded letter. If you want, you could do the second article because I'll I'll do a basically a spoiler free review for the first half and attach this podcast. But like the second, what I'm trying to say is I have no desire to keep working on this. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how you feel about it. How do you feel about uh, the introduction of Salinger? Okay, so first I'm gonna throw it out there. I guess that's like the big, the last mm-hmm. big thing to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, is it a? It's is this a playoff? JD Salinger is he supposed to be this crazy loner, lunatic Probably, guy? Probably. Yeah. Okay. I assume yeah. so. Okay. Because I mean, Holden Caulfield was an irritating prick. And yeah. Oh, I loved go. Catcher, but I'll admit Holden was the worst, hands down. Pause for everything. Pause for. <laughs> Sorry, well, Nicole, uh, Nicole. Since she's 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 working, what, Nicole, what do you think about Holden? Or I'm sorry, Salinger. <laughs> <I> called him Holden. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it it kind of like I'm trying to remember what other show that had a very similar kind of creepy, very very intelligent um, uh, serial killer. Oh, okay. Well, like Hannibal, right? But Hannibal okay. was way better as a serial killer and as a character and right now it's just it it kind of feels overdone that oh jessica's dealing with like an evil genius mastermind type character villain this season and he is able to manipulate her you know by calling 911 and like capturing um footage of her you know assaulting him and stuff like that and i yeah i think it it seems kind of boring for him as a villain and maybe because we've seen it done a whole bunch of times already but i would have liked to have a little bit more of an interesting villain yeah absolutely and i think it's it's a disservice to kill grave because how could you live up to that you know what i mean like he was perfect in that role and the the mastermindy type type guy but maybe that's part of the problem too where they can't come up with a villain that's good enough to sort of um dethrone Kilgrave, like who, I am not that familiar with Jessica Jones as um, for the comic book. So, like, what were mm-hmm. the other sort of um, uh, enemies that she had to deal with? Like, I, I actually have no idea. Yeah, I only read I the mean, first the... trade paperback. Oh, hey, you can answer this one. Oh, I mean, I was gonna say, I think that for Jessica Jones, the biggest thing is that she's her own villain. Mm. Right? And so bringing in another dude who, like, they literally went through and were like, oh, here's his degree in biology. Here's his degree in whatever Chemical else. And look how smart he is. And yeah. <laughs> wow, he's perfect and meticulous and creepy. And, you know, and he's 
um, beat her to the punch in different in different ways and is a dozen steps of, ahead of her. Like, okay, you've you've set him up to be so infallible that when he inevitably falls in a handful of episodes, it's not going to feel earned or genuine. I just had a thought. What if, like, what if his endgame is to trap her into killing him and then getting having her be put away? Or is that overdone, too? Is that overdone? I don't know. That would be amazing, but I think you're giving them way too much credit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because that does sound brilliant, but I think... It seems like his motivation is more for, like, fame and notoriety. Because he's like, mm. Jessica, you didn't earn to be a superhero. I'm earning my way to be, a, I guess, a super like villain. A super villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not the best story. Um, I mean, it kind of feels like a really, really bad knockoff of... Um, oh my gosh. I'm totally freaking spacing on the name of... That's a very long title for a serial killer. I know, I know, I know. I have to look this up now. Uh, The Incredibles. Thank you. Oh, okay. Uh, I I don't know why I couldn't remember The Incredibles because I freaking love that movie. Um, (laughs) And how, you know, they set up that villain for The Incredibles and it's kind of this kid who just wants to be famous and save people mm-hmm. and I think that for Salinger they're trying to do the same where he wants to be famous because look at all the things that I've done and you're Jessica Jones and you haven't done anything you haven't earned anything mm-hmm. let me show you off or show you up <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because I feel like the writers were just like oh man Incredibles 2 is so good I know what we're gonna do <laughs> we're gonna make the villain be like the villain from Incredibles 1 well, they can share idea. that now, theoretically, because they're in the same company, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oof. <laughs> oof. Yeah. Yeah, they can. <laughs> but, yeah. under I feel like so far, underwhelming. These underwhelming. episodes, yeah. Yeah, same here. And especially the villain, because I'll be honest, like, my first problem before we started doing this that I was kind of asking both of you about was, like, I don't know where to go with this because there is no villain as far as I'm concerned. And it just, everything just seems to be Jess, you're a mess and you didn't earn being a superhero and here's why. Well, I mean, I think, I think the big problem for me too is that, okay, we're at the end of four episodes and you've just introduced the villain and I'm, I just watched these episodes and I'm trying to remember, all right, well, what happened in four hours? Mm -hmm. What happened? And so I think, think it's the problem like what you mentioned at the beginning christian with do you think that they're just filling it out to fit the 13 episodes Mm -hmm. like if they had taken i mean and that's an issue with a lot of these shows like uh luke cage's first season the first what eight episodes fantastic were phenomenal Mm -hmm. and then they had to fill out yes oh my gosh she's so good Mm -hmm. and then filling it out to the end of 13 it's kind of like you know, and so, and the same thing with um, Iron Fist, especially, like, Ugh. building up to the first season, like, that was such a slog, getting through mm-hmm. that. Daredevil season two, getting through 13 episodes. Like, I don't know why they feel so beholden to 13 episodes. Like, if you need to tell this story and it's only going to take eight. Do it in eight. Yeah. Do it in eight. Mm-hmm. You know, go out and tell the better story. So... 
the fact that they've drawn it out and have introduced this villain at the end of episode four and not, I mean, it's crazy to say that, but like that Jessica got stabbed at the end of an episode and it's kind of like, eh, but I just, I just don't really know that I care about any of the characters right now watching this show. I kind of would just rather play a game on my phone while I'm listening to it in the background. <laughs> That's actually exactly what I was doing, which is why I had to rewatch them. Um, <laughs> so it's funny that you mentioned that because I felt like the beginning of this, they tried really hard to mimic Jessica's feelings of trauma with like Kilgrave and like murder mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to be very much her stab this season. It's like, oh, okay, well, we're going to play with the same beats, except instead of trauma, it's the trauma of her being physically hurt for the first time in like a significant way where she had to like get her, was it her spleen removed? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And like now she has to live healthier and now she has to be less reckless. She has to make all these life changes because she is vulnerable because yes, she's a superhero, but she's not really done a lot to earn it. And now she's made a mistake. I'll be honest. None of this really worked for me, but I felt like that's what they kept throwing in my face. You know? I mean, I feel like that is, a good story to be told. I think that's an interesting story to be told. Okay. But a lot of these things that we're seeing, they're already stories that have kind of been touched on by the other, the other shows, you know, like, so Daredevil went through a similar arc where he had to really come to terms with the fact that he is mortal Mm -hmm. and can be hurt. Mm Mm-hmm. And dealing with that on top of all of the pain and heartache that came with his uh, religion growing up that way. um, What he's going to do with his faith. And so there was that layer there. Um, You know, and then the descent of somebody who wants to be a hero with like Luke Cage. um, Or I mean, like you could even go into like the bigger grand scheme of stories that we've seen like a two-faced story from dark knight um and so these aren't new stories really per se that they're telling and they're not telling them well either Mm. and i think that's where a lot of my frustration lies because their heart of their story is jess and trish Mm -hmm. and they've neglected it so these stories if they use those two characters for each other as their own foils it makes it that much better you know trish showing jess her mortality trish being the one that shows her these things that you know now jess can't keep up with trish because of her injury because of the things that have happened to her um and then Trish kind of recognizing her stance on good and evil uh, isn't so black and white because of Jess. Like these two making themselves better because of the other woman in their life. And I'm really worried that they're not going to get to that point. And that's frustrating. Instead, they're going to use the other people around them. They're going to have Trish rely on Malcolm as she's been doing or just relying on whatever dude of the week she's got in her apartment. <laughs> How do you think um, the rest of the season is going to go, Jen? 
that is your fear. <laughs> I think they're going to turn Trish into a villain. Mm. <laughs> Which, in and of itself, is is not a bad move. Because from season one, the seeds are there. With Trish's um, almost obsessive nature. With wanting to help people. With wanting to be a hero. Uh, her being envious of Jess and her powers and not using them for good. That's there. So for her to finally get that. And be able to use it to help people. To kind of get that that high from saying you're welcome. Yeah. Um, I think that there, that, that there is something there. But it's frustrating because um, with what we saw from Game of Thrones and the descent of a certain female character who was a hero, who was taking down bad people, who was then just suddenly bad, I don't know if I have the trust in storytellers to do this well, especially because, as I've said, the central relationship of this show is between two women. Mm -hmm. And that puts these two women at odds. And I'm genuinely very tired of watching women fight each other on TV, Mm. especially because this relationship was so strong. They rely on one another for so many different things their bond is what gets the other through their trauma and so i'm worried that that bond is not going to be enough and maybe it is maybe it is maybe maybe there is like a i need to i need to finish the series but maybe Maybe they do help each other through whatever this is. Salinger pushes them closer together, kind of like how it causes Jess to ring up Trish and embarrass her on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm hoping that it does that for them. So I'm worried it won't. I'm going to throw this out there. Um, before the season started, uh, Melissa Rosenberg, the series creator actually said that this was going to be our last season. And this is before um, the show was officially canceled and uh, before they kind of wrapping, decided to wrap up the entire series. Um, That being said, uh, I feel like because it was her final attempt at this and knowing that this was the last time she'd get to work with the Jessica and Trish characters, I actually think that uh, Melissa Rosenberg is going to go in almost a weird redemptive arc where Trish and Jessica kind of start to team together. But I think what's going to happen is because of the amount of vulnerability that we've seen with Jess, um, I think Trish is going to take it too far personally and that she's not necessarily going to be a villain, but she's not going to be a hero either by the end of it. I think she's... Well, I mean, neither is Jess, though. Well, yeah, but like, like to a, like a worse extent. To a point where it's like, you know what? Screw being a hero. People are getting messed up left and right. I'm just going to go full-on rampage. Like, screw this. I'm just going to do it my way. Because she's been always assertive throughout her entire life, and I feel like she's going to take superheroing to the next level to the point where they'll start to see her kind of as like an anti-hero, I guess is the best way to put it. But, I mean, in a universe where we have the Punisher... Yeah. 
it's really hard to root against that. That's true, too. <laughs> so, I mean, I get with it where they're coming from, and I get that with superheroes, it's... There's, there's always that line, right? Like, you're always afraid that you're playing God too much. You're, you're being judged, jury, and executioner. And I think that, I mean, like, that's, that's a lot of the struggle with Captain America and then the Punisher and Superman and all these other, like, good pinnacle superheroes and then the antiheroes who are like, no, I'm going to take it in my own hands. Um... And so, having that struggle in a character isn't inherently a bad thing, but I'm going to be really upset if, because she's a woman, she's not allowed to also do that thing. Ah. Mm. That's true, because we haven't really seen any female superhero characters kind of go through that type of, or at least be portrayed in that way, right? Right, Um, like you're not going to have a female Punisher. Yeah. Yeah. But why not? Damn it, right. Why not? <laughs> well, I mean because, you know, she's got to she's got to also be maternal. And so but mm. I mean like Jessica Jones is kind of that character. Yeah, true. Like she's going to be emotional and irrational and she's going to get her vengeance and okay, if I have to throw you down an alley into a dumpster to get it, I'm going to do that because you're in my way and I really don't care about you. But they've taken that almost to an extreme with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then at the same time, kind of put her on this pedestal with what her opinion is. And they're trying too hard to portray her as just a good person when the reality is mm, she's kind of not. Which is why I totally see Trish becoming that, honestly, because she killed Jessica's mom and then she almost hurt somebody in an episode four while doing this whole vigilanteism, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I think she's just gonna full-on, like, screw this, I'm gonna kill you. Like, bad guy thing. Very Punisher-esque, but we'll see, we'll see to what extent. We'll, we'll see, yeah. we'll see. Uh, Nicole, what about you? What are your thoughts on this? Um, I only hope that, um, that because it's, like, a series ender, that it's surprising the ending like oh what if you know um like if what if trish does get to that point and it might be because salinger ends up uh killing jessica for whatever reason right oh and then now you know trish like was is like fuck her moral compass and kills him or something like that something at least i don't know um like i don't necessarily know if i would want a redemptive arc for the end of the series but I hope that no matter what happens, I'm just at least surprised at the end. Yeah. <laughs> That's my hope. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Definitely. I didn't even I didn't even consider something like that with the death of somebody like Jess. That would be because if it's done, like w- like why not potentially, right? That's true. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. And not like not only it's done, done, but like the entire universe for this marvel thing is done in netflix it, yeah it yeah. looks yeah i mean they could always reboot it at some point on streaming i in, on disney streaming service but who knows if that's even gonna happen right yeah. and would they bring back the same like actors? actors yeah maybe not yeah probably not yeah if anything like because every other netflix um marvel show has ended with such a just kind of up in the air 
type situation like it would be nice to have something very conclusive and like done but that's me hoping <laughs> i mean that's why i was hoping that melissa rosenberg mm-hmm. would kind of like end it and like a note that way because pretty much when she decided to leave i think uh everyone knew that the show was going to be over and then it later on got confirmed by Netflix itself mm-hmm. saying we're canceling all the Marvel series. So of all this, basically what I'm trying to say is of all the the, the Marvel Netflix series, mm-hmm. my expectations are that this one has the most finite ending because mm. they knew that the showrunner was leaving. Mm-hmm. But I could be entirely wrong. Maybe it ends on a cliffhanger. I have no idea. See, I'm kind of tempted to just watch the last episode. <laughs> oh my goodness, really? Yeah. <laughs> I've done that in the past, just to see if it's worth my time to invest in. <laughs> what have you done that before with? Uh, I'm trying to remember. What was that? Um, uh, it was probably a Netflix show, too. <laughs> well, that makes sense, because those, yeah. Because at least, yeah, I can skip to the end. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you try to remember it or completely mm-hmm. forget about it. Um, I have done that as well, but I can one up the like that in the worst way possible. I did it for the Dark Knight while watching the Dark Knight, and all my best what? friends were like, "I hate you so much, Christian," because <laughs> I I really had low expectations for Heath Ledger. So while I was watching the beginning, <laughs> oh the first ten because the first ten minutes they released online too, so yeah. like I knew it was gonna happen. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to see if this movie is worth my time. So I pull out my phone. I start looking. They're like, Christian, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm looking to see what's going to happen the rest of this movie. <laughs> and I'm like, it's oh, l- we're literally watching it right goodness. now. And I, I just was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Hey, guys, you know what? This is going to be a great movie. And they're like, I hate you so much. I hope you die. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I also can't wait for spoilers sometimes. In the worst really? ways you can imagine. Yeah. I won't even watch trailers for movies more than once really unless i'm in a movie theater and they're showing them as previews yeah um like for captain marvel and uh, avengers Endgame and all that stuff i watched one trailer wow for each that's impressive and i don't i I, yeah because i don't want to i don't want to spoil myself too much i don't want to i like to i like to guess what i think is going to happen um yeah Hmm. I definitely would not be actively watching a movie and <laughs> googling what's gonna happen. Googling unless it's like a really, really bad movie. Well, that's the funniest part. It's The Dark Knight, which people were like the greatest superhero movie of all time. <laughs> yeah, I spoiled it right then and there. <laughs> well, I mean, to that point, Batman. I mean, Batman Begins was okay, but Batman movies were kind of a joke. Comic book movies were kind mm-hmm. of a joke. In two thousand eight. Yeah. I love comic the book dark, movies. Okay. The but I mean they were joking that like you didn't really think that they would have that um cultural impact. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, like the Dark Knight is what changed a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But there was a like Spider Man, I like the original Sam Raimi trilogy and X Men. That was before that. I said what I said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a different discussion that you and I have to duke it out. Oh, I, I'm not saying I don't like them. Oh, okay. But it's just I mean, different. I... Like, it wasn't to that level. I, okay. I've watched all the 90s Batman movies so 
so many times. Me too. Wow, that's and weird that all like, of us are on the same page with that. I low-key love them. Uh, they have a campiness that I really mm-hmm. enjoy. And so, because of that, I, it's not that I dislike the early Spider-Man or X-Men or anything like that. Um, but the Dark Knight really, really did change the representation of comic book storytelling. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So did Batman and Robin, because that's when you learned about the Batman credit card and the, uh, the, <laughs> and the great nipple Arnold. suit. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah, that's when Bat I learned nipples. I really had a thing for Poison Ivy. <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, Uma Thurman's yeah. just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger catchphrase. Yeah. Ice to meet you. I- <laughs> Adam and <laughs> Eva. <laughs> I can go on all day. Um, so I think on that note, um, final thoughts on the first four episodes of Jessica Jones. Anyone? Um, please get better. <laughs> oh. My. Please be more entertaining. Yeah. And mm-hmm. don't hurt Trish. Mm-hmm. It's, for me, it would be, it's meh, meh. It's okay. Um, I really hope that it does get better, too, and that, um, they actually kind of get to some, like, more meaty stuff and, like, sort of more interesting storylines and blah 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 and that they don't end the series in like a meh state <laughs> uh, for me uh, Jessica Jones was very high on my superhero adaptations because I thought they did something that no other comic book hero had done they had important discussions about topics that were outside of the traditional you know hero's journey mythos good versus evil type stories they talked about hard hitting topics like rape and trauma and you know how to live uh with the the sins of the past in like a very human way uh so because of that i really hope that season three ends on a high note but given from what i've seen i my expectations are pretty much dashed unfortunately um well are we if we do another one next week Till then. Yeah, till then. And, and if we don't, you, you'll know that Christian could uh, not handle talking about it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, all right, so here's the thing. I'm down to podcast. I just don't want to write another thing about it at all. Because podcasting is fun, and I could handle that. And it's kind of fun learning how to edit um, stuff. But, but I don't want to write a word about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Understandably. I don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll do this. We'll, we'll do this again next week um, to talk about the later episodes. And uh, and yeah, but um, check us out. Uh, I'm Christian. You can check us out on theworkprint.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is XN underscore Angelus on Twitter and XN Angelus on Instagram or vice versa. I don't know. I'm kind of tired. <laughs> um, Jen, Nicole. Uh, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, I am at Jen Stayrook. And you can follow me on Twitter at N-double-I-X-E. And, of course, follow us on WorkPrint on every platform except Snapchat and Pinterest. Yeah. <laughs> Pinterest has a platform? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. 
And as I mentioned probably at the beginning of this, which these ladies were not unable to hear, um, this podcast is officially the debut of the theme song music thing, woo. And um, yeah, uh, as a treat, I'm going to play the whole song which we recorded. Uh, this is called, I believe we can name this track, uh, To Live Authentically. And uh, yeah, this is a recording that me and my buddy Vin uh, made in 2013, as weird as it sounds, for a web series that never got made. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.